0: This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. A Russian diplomat to the United Nations quit in protest over the, quote, aggressive war unleashed by Russian President Vladimir Putin. Boris Bandarev's resignation is a rare glimpse of dissatisfaction among Russian diplomatic elite with the war in Ukraine. The government has sought to crack down on dissent and control the narrative relating to its invasion. The White House insisted that America's policy on Taiwan, quote, has not changed after President Joe Biden said that America's armed forces would step in to defend Taiwan if it were attacked by China. It was the strongest statement he has made on the matter and seemed to signal a marked departure from the, quote, strategic ambiguity America normally adopts on Taiwan. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, called for, quote, maximum sanctions against Russia during his virtual speech to the World Economic Forum in Davos. He asked foreign powers to impose an embargo on Russian oil and block the country's banks from global financial networks. Russia's diplomats and oligarchs were not invited from the annual gathering of business elites in Switzerland. Meanwhile, Starbucks announced that its 130 coffee shops in Russia would close. Christine Lagarde, the president of the European Central Bank, said she expects to abandon negative interest rates by the end of September. Ms Lagarde's statement fueled expectations of rate increases at two policy meetings scheduled for July and September. The euro rose against the dollar to its highest level in almost a month following her comments. A Russian soldier was sentenced in Ukraine to life in prison for killing an unarmed civilian. It was the first war crimes trial since Russia's invasion. Ukraine said it is investigating roughly 13,000 cases of alleged Russian war crimes. Meanwhile, President Volodymyr Zelensky's office said that Russian forces were retreating from Severodonetsk, a city in the country's east that had been the main target of Russia's latest offensive. The offshore yuan jumped by 0.7% to its strongest level in over two weeks after Mr. Biden said he will review Trump-era tariffs on Chinese imports. A rollback of the tariffs could boost Chinese exports, which have been struggling amid supply chain issues and factory shutdowns. Mr Biden said that he would speak to Janet Yellen, America's Treasury Secretary, upon his return to America from Asia. More than 1,000 people in Iraq have been hospitalized with respiratory problems as another sandstorm swept through the country. The storm, which is the ninth since mid-April, has bathed Baghdad, the capital, in an eerie orange light and caused cars to desert the roads. The government closed public buildings and airports on Monday. Fact of the day, 15.9%. How much the value of the average house in America has increased by in the past year? And correction. In Friday's edition of Espresso, we published a cartoon featuring the Hungarian flag, While the colours of the flag were correct, they were in the wrong order. Sorry. And now, here's a deeper look
1: at the day ahead Thawing relations between Turkey and Israel. Mevru Cavusolu, Turkey's foreign minister, will arrive in Israel on Tuesday, marking the latest sign of a diplomatic thaw between the two regional powers. Inside Mr. Chavosolo's briefcase may be the plans for a pipeline between Israel and Turkey. Surging energy prices and the need to wean Europe off Russian hydrocarbons have renewed Turkey's interest in the vast reserves of natural gas buried under Israel's territorial waters. Mr. Cavusolo's government has long insisted that the best way to send Israeli gas to Europe would be through Turkey, thus earning Turkey transit fees but a competing project to do so through Cyprus and Greece was put on the back burner on feasibility grounds, and Turkey's plans may be similarly strained. Costs are one obstacle. Diplomacy is another. Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, regularly upbraids Israel for its treatment of Palestinians. Israel, meanwhile, resents Turkey for hosting members of Hamas. Mr. Cavusoglu's visit is a sign that relations are improving, but they have a long way to go. America's battleground in Georgia. On Tuesday, voters in Georgia will head to the polls for the state's primary. Republicans will decide the fate of Brian Kemp, the incumbent governor, and Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State. Both men fell afoul of Donald Trump by refusing to help him reverse his narrow loss in the state in the 2020 presidential election. They are hoping that the past defiance of the Republican kingmaker will not impede their chances of re-election, despite the primary challenges that Mr Trump has eventually stirred up. The Democrats are less driven by disagreement. The party has once again coalesced around Stacey Abrams as its nominee for governor. In 2018, Ms Abrams made herself a household name by refusing to concede her loss to Mr Kemp on the grounds that voter suppression had marred the fairness of the result. In America's newest battleground state, the election wars are unlikely to cool anytime soon. The surprisingly resilient Eurozone. Economists are terrible forecasters at the best of times. Now with the European economy boosted by post-pandemic recovery, while strained by supply chain disruptions, a -a once-in-a-generation bout of inflation and a war that is fueling uncertainty and threatening energy supplies, forecasting is like throwing darts in the dark. That is why the few reliable indicators of economic activity are being watched more closely than usual. Tuesday's Purchasing Managers Index release is one such figure. In early May, PMI data for the Eurozone showed a surprisingly robust economy and labour market. France, Italy and Spain were doing better than Germany, which was slowing down. Since then, the German IFO index, a similar indicator, has ticked up slightly. Even a consumer confidence indicator for the Eurozone, which had reached lows similar to those seen in the 2008 financial crisis, seems to have bottomed out. All things considered, the Eurozone economy is in better shape than it should be. A new railway finally starts running in London. The Elizabeth Line, an east-west railway running through London and south-east England, opens to passengers on Tuesday. It has been a long wait. Work began on the crossrail, as the project used to be known, in 2009. The project is three and a half years late and billions of pounds over budget. One station, Bond Street, in London's West End is not even ready. And thanks to a sharp increase in home working, passenger numbers are likely to undershoot expectations. The number of weekday journeys on the London Underground is two-thirds of what it was before COVID-19 struck. Londoners will not care about that. They are getting a railway that is both modern with quiet 200-metre-long trains and historic The companies that built the first tube lines in the 19th century did not think they were creating a self-contained urban transport system. They were trying to build lines that could connect central London to the National Railway Network. The Elizabeth Line finally achieves that. Elif Batuman's protagonist grows up. Five years ago, an outpouring of anger over sexual abuse in Hollywood turned into a global reckoning on sex power and women's rights, the Me Too movement. Elif Batuman's semi-autobiographical first novel, The Idiot, was published the same year and later nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. Selin, the young Turkish-American protagonist, grapples with relationships on campus and her own sexual agency, although some readers thought that she lacked political convictions. Selin returns one year wiser in Either Or, the sequel, which is published on Tuesday in America. Soul-searching and sex, or lack thereof, dominate the opening chapters. When her friend says it finally happened, Selin feels isolated. But Miss Butterman considers existential concerns alongside these Bildungsroman tropes, drawing on a dichotomy that Soren Kierkegaard, a 19th century Danish philosopher, established in his book of the same name. Should one live in an ethical or an aesthetic life? With witty prose, Ms. Butterman puzzles over norms that too often pass by without question. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day of this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll peek randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. Which aircraft was a main bomber used by the Royal Air Force in its World War II campaign against Germany? Monday. Which actor changed his nice guy persona in the 1950s, appearing in darker roles in films such as Winchester 73 and Vertigo? Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Lloyd Garrison, who died on this day in 1879. Enslave the liberty of but one human being, and the liberties of the world are put in peril.